fundamentally, if we were to exist, if we were not to go extinct, by 2035, all the businesses that are present today will look very different. are listening to Understanding the Future podcast. I am the host Punit Gandhi and this podcast is developed in association with Climate Center for Cities under the National Institute of Urban Affairs and the Ministry of Housing and Urban Affairs. This is a podcast where we discuss about the future of work in the field of climate change, urban development, innovation and sustainability with the help of leaders and visionaries working on ground as well as in the top management of public and private sector. Our objective is to better understand the future so that we can be prepared and intervene to enable climate actions in the urban areas. Hello everyone, I am Punit Gandhi, the host of the podcast Understanding the Future. And today we have with us Abhilasha Purwar, founder and CEO of Blue Sky Analytics. She will help us understand the future of environmental data. Welcome to the show, Abhilasha Purwar. It's great to have you on our show. If you could just give us a brief background about yourself as well as Blue Sky Analytics, it will be, I think, a good start for everyone. Awesome. Um, thanks for having me, Puneet. Um, so I'll start with a brief background of uh, Blue Sky, which emerged out of a bunch of people saying that enough air pollution is enough. Like, I mean, we've got to do something about it. And that was literally the first, you know, uh, starting point. Since we came from a technology and engineering background, we wanted to do something about it in that domain. But it was like, let's just try something. And uh, as we, uh, this was about June, July, summer of 2018, as we started going forward on that path, we realized that there was a pretty massive environmental data gap and you can't solve what you won't know. So we really wanted to plug ourselves into that place. Uh, That's also where we felt that we can create maximum impact uh, by leveraging uh, data and technology, uh, satellites, IoT, AI, sort of throwing buzzwords here. But uh, when you come look at the environmental domain, like a lot of these buzzwords are thrown around all the time and it's a fintech, consumer tech, health tech. But within the environment, climate change community, especially in India, we are still like, you know, pretty non-profit domain, maybe some sort of activism and everything. And we haven't come to that, like, you know, technology and innovation. And um, I think, I don't even know when was the last innovation in air pollution as a segment. Uh, so we really wanted to get in there. And uh, over the course of past one and a half years, it's been a pretty, you know, rocket ship journey. Um, and uh, for everybody who told us in the beginning that maybe you should register as a nonprofit or maybe people don't really care about air pollution, what are you doing in Russia or, you know, climate change. Uh, is, it's, there's no business, there's no monetization there, I feel. Uh, or, you know, what, do you, what is technology going to do about climate change? How will technology solve climate change? Like all those words. Uh, I think we've pretty much proved uh, our point there, which was that, uh, uh, you know, in one and a half years, we've grown from a team of about four people to 20 people. And everybody from the initial four people still is the part of the team. That's a testament of the success. We started as an air pollution data sort of, you know, group, which was playing around with uh, ground sensor data. And now we play around with terabytes of satellite data. So in one and a half years, that shows the kind of, in like sort of caliber and skill and technological caliber that we have developed, like working on that kind of 
architectural framework, those kinds yeah. of services. Just from an engineering perspective, some of our in- initial engineers are like, I can't even imagine the kind of coding I'm doing in one and a half years. <laughs> like one year ago, I was like finding it challenging to make like a website. Today, I can build a Postgres cluster on AWS in like a week. That's tremendous growth for somebody who's 24, 25 years of age and fresh out of college. And that is a testament to the fact that when you throw complex problem to young people and you give them enough courage and ability and just enable them to solve it, they actually rise up to the occasion. And that's what happened. Yeah, today Blue Sky Analytics is a seed funded geospatial data intelligence startup. AKA we analyze a lot of satellite data and we uh, primarily distill environmental insights from that crude satellite data for various kinds of applications from, let's say you are a house owner or you want to buy a house and you want to figure out, you know, what is the groundwater underneath you? What is the biggest landfill site near your house? How much is, are the streets around you safe and lit? You can just reach out to us and we can give you all of this data. Or if you're a large insurance company and you want to figure out like, flood and drought risk in a particular locality, reach out to us. We can give it to you. We charge hefty for some of those services <laughs> because I think they're very, very worthy. And some of our data sets are pretty awesome. And uh, we work very hard and in a collaborative fashion with the scientific and the climate science community to build out these things. So it's not that, uh, you know, this is a work in silo. For ages, scientists have done this, but it was staying only in the scientific domain and not coming into the layperson domain uh, and that's where we came in uh, so that's blue sky analytics long short of it um, my background is also funny so i come from a technology background i was under graduated from iit in 2012 with a specialization in sort of nanotechnology didn't end up doing anything in it <laughs> i graduated out and got this amazing job at uh, jameel poverty action lab uh, very like great opportunity yeah. and I'm so happy I picked that opportunity over other op- very high paying opportunities I had in the oil industry because that was like the best decision ever at that time. I was just 21 years old and I ended up working with Jairam Ramesh and Rohini Pandey and some very senior environmental wow. economist, the environment yeah. minister himself for about three years on different like environmental policies and energy policies across India. I traveled, met all sorts of officials from like, you know, the local environmental inspector, local pollution yeah. inspector to the principal secretary in MOEF or yeah. a small industry or a small steel industry or a textile industry with hardly 50 crores of turnover and like 20 employees to yeah. large chemical factories, large power plants and cement plants. And I like traveled across India, met a lot of those managers and everything. So really understood like why were things happening the way the things were happening? Why was pollution a problem? How do you balance out economic development and environmental interest as well? I went to study um, uh, environmental management in Yale after that as a Fulbright scholar so that I could build up some more hard skills and uh, uh, yeah, like went to study public policy. That was my agenda when I graduated and I was working in a private equity firm. So you can probably see my arc in two years. <laughs> I sort of really uh, grasped the role of innovation and technology and startups and entrepreneurs and changing um, sort of the systems which are locked in this sense of inertia. That's what I felt. So I felt that it obviously policy is a framework to shift things, 
but entrepreneurs and innovation is also a big massive framework to shift things yeah. so i wanted to operate in the second one then i graduated uh, worked with a lot of entrepreneurs and invested about 175 million dollars in other companies and other projects yeah. and then i thought it was time to get same level of investment into my products and my companies and moved back to india uh, again a great decision because i would say India is probably one of the really great places for entrepreneurial activity. I know the ease of business doing business is kind of challenging. <laughs> a lot of people have enough to complain about. We uh, cannot undermine the kind of human capital that you will find here. There is a real passion and real like sort of skill in the the labor market here, and if you can. Yeah. leverage that uh, and direct that energy towards complex problems like you know you have pretty good way to go you work all around data and specifically as you mentioned satellite data is that the only source or do you also gather data from other sources apart from satellite uh no we we essentially big data company we focus on satellite data so yes 50 60% data that we play around with the satellite data which often has to be supplemented with um ground monitoring data so a lot of iot sensors or just physical experiment data as well and a lot of just data from internet like you have to scrape off let's say traffic data for making certain models better or location data for getting insights on something so um, let's say 65 to 70% satellite data supported by other ancillary data either iot or from just general publicly available data sets yeah and so what are the big challenges in getting this data because one thing is satellite data i'm assuming that comes from uh, specific websites and all but ground data i think might be much more challenging on these lines to get so what are those challenges if you can just <laughs> let us know oh uh, i mean if you have like the really good team of engineers and getting data is not a challenge like uh, and uh, that's one of our capabilities i think uh, we are very good data aggregators collectors and uh, once the data set is out there uh, either we purchase it or we get into a partnership or if it's like free and openly available then we you know ingest it but okay. that's just one of our major capabilities <laughs> I, I think then then that's a, quite a good start because data generally getting the data is one of the most difficult tasks. Then you can start analyzing it. Might be like with the engineers, it might be much more easier to do. Uh, Actually, with engineers, getting data is also very easy. So something that we found was that you know data scientists or typically people who were I mean, even this happens in India today also. A lot yeah. of times, people apply for a role of data analyst or data scientist with us, yeah. and then you go to them, and then their data analyst skills is Excel, which is not exactly data analysis skills. It's yeah. <laughs> not. <laughs> so uh, something you know, we realized that there was uh, engineering and data is two different things, and there was a mismatch there. Yeah. Engineers, like especially developers, are really good in. you know collecting large quantities of data putting them on large databases and writing you know scripts to do a lot of that in automatized fashion and those engineers were not available in a lot of research organizations which were ending up playing with those data sets so yeah. our role essentially became that we are going to have our engineers who will collect clean all the crude data and all this mess data for you and we will organize it in really really clean formats where somebody yeah. like even a puneet gandhi who may or may not know how to scrape off or write certain scripts or something but you can get access to let's say air quality data by just writing two lines of codes and yeah. you know and you can do your own analysis and in some cases we even started to make embeds which are like pre cooked visual embeds for you so if let's say you are a journalist then you don't need to go and do your own data analysis because your job is journalism 
let us do it so finding that what are some of those repeatable tasks that a lot of people are doing in a fairly sub optimized fashion yeah. and so there's a lot of value lost there we can do it in a more optimal fashion because we are then essentially doing it for tens of thousands of people and then we can give you something very simple and then you can do your work so essentially enabling whether it's a policy maker a journalist a researcher a financial analyst a insurance analyst or supply chain analyst to do what they need to do while yeah. we take care of the headache of all the satellites and ground sensors and cleaning and parsing yeah. you know yeah okay so environmental data over here is air pollution uh, is one of the major things then you also do forest mm-hmm. fires and stubble burning uh, anything mm-hmm. else that you specifically kind of get uh, from these data sets we get a lot actually so that's the thing like initially we thought initially we were working on environment uh, air pollution then we went yeah. to satellites and we were like oh my god this is a freaking gold mine what yeah. all can you do with satellites so for 3 months we totally forgot my co-founder my brother and i totally forgot about that you know we had a air pollution business we became just like satellite nerds and you know i think and that's one thing about indian kids you're nerd at heart so you're like who yeah. <laughs> so much it. and we just studied the literature of what all is possible with satellite like nothing else no yeah. use case nothing you're just like what is the realm of possibility and yeah. because sometimes what happens is and especially that happens with the government the existing investor circle the existing you know um, sorry to be a slightly ageist but existing set of decision makers who are typically above 50 and are yeah. not that well tuned with what are the realm of possibilities with the new technologies and new data sets yeah. is that you just don't know what can be simply done like you don't know what you don't know right yeah. and so we spent that time and we were like completely blown away by what all can be executed yeah um and then we were like so you can actually do we will start we are obviously focused on air right now but yeah. then in the long run we'll do a lot of work on water and on land and extreme heat so the idea is essentially to build a global environmental data stack and uh, a global climate risk analyzing tool uh, for every latitude longitude of the planet in a okay. temporal fashion so i would want to give you information on water on soil quality on heat temperatures uh, you know everything i'm your environmental data guy so it's going to take time yeah. i will not become like the environmental data person on day one uh, yeah. it was not built in a day but uh, <laughs> you know 2021 2022 i think we'll we'll be able to pull off most of that work okay and what kind of difference do you see between satellite data and ground data in terms of accuracy or do you need to correlate them a lot to make sure that what is more accurate and what is less accurate see so ground data is a micro picture yeah okay so it's essentially like asking um abilasha like if she likes coffee or tea yeah and satellite data is a macro picture so it's essentially asking a lot of like 30 year old females if they like coffee or yeah. tea that would that's like some simpler very layman way of giving difference satellites take a snapshot from uh sort of top down while uh, sensor data is bottom up obviously sensor data or the by sensor i mean scn sor uh, the ground monitor data it's uh, not spatially continuous you can't get it for every part of the world yeah. i mean how many sensors will you really put uh, so what you get is like fairly accurate fairly high resolution information of one spot yeah. with satellites you get is relatively low resolution information of lots and lots of spots now if you're able to build a correlation metric between the two of them which is fairly accurate or 
keep on improving that correlation metric, then you are getting somewhere. Uh, so essentially, let's say for Delhi, I know what the air quality is. For Jaipur, I know air quality because of sensors. Yeah. I don't know what is the air quality in like a village, like let's say Nimrana, which yeah. is between Delhi and uh, Jaipur. Do yeah. citizens of Nimrana have no right to know what the air quality is? No. But then can a government or any agency put uh, air quality sensor everywhere? <laughs> Again, no, it's expensive. So, and then why are all these satellites up in the air? See, there are about 700 plus Earth observation satellites. Every single space mission across US, Europe, India, Japan invests billions of dollars into this work. So yeah. that data is coming nonetheless. You might as well put that data to use. And if you merge and uh, correlate and sort of, you know, mishmash this ground sensor data with satellite data, yeah. that's where you're talking about like, you know, a lot of powerful insights. Yeah. So uh, what I get from here is that uh, you need ground data to make sure that there is good high resolution data, while you need satellite data to make sure that generalization can be done in a better way. And then you merge it in Essentially. the best possible way. Okay. Essentially, okay. yeah. And you have already mentioned a lot of consumers on private side. What do you see as the government side? What kind of consumers can come into play for such kind of Every service? government should, would become a consumer. Uh, I can say it with quite a lot of confidence simply because the quality of what we're doing is really good. And that's what we're focusing on. Uh, the problem with government consumers often is that one, it's a long cycle of engagement. You all are not really the fastest people on the planet. So it's just a lot of like persuasion and so on and so forth. Uh, so the strategy that at least I am personally taking is wow the people and then like, you know, so we don't want to chase you. Uh, we'll build it up. We have uh, that sort of self-confidence and it's quite gut punching to constantly have that level of self-confidence. <laughs> it's very difficult. But uh, yeah, what we are banging on is that it's essentially like Google, right? Like, you know, yeah. you'll build this up. And then we know that tomorrow you'll come to us because it's going to be such a fantastic product. So let's say if you're a government of Punjab, Haryana, Bihar, uh, you know, you will come to us because you will want to know when, what the flood predictions are, what the groundwater levels are, uh, yeah. what the temperatures are, what the air quality are. You will need this information. And yeah. instead of us chasing you, it's going to be a little other way around. Uh, the other problem and challenge is that uh, governments... Uh, typically operate with this tender ecosystem of individual softwares for every small problem statements. And mm -hmm. that's extremely inefficient from just a development perspective, because then Bihar is producing the same thing, which Punjab is producing, which is Jharkhand is producing. Like, you know, that's not how, like imagine this is, you know, what happened before Slack. I'll give you an example. Mm -hmm. Before Slack, every other company used to have their own internal messaging systems. Yeah. And they would like, you know, reach out to some Nukkadwali IT company and put out a tender or put out a thing for them to make a messaging yeah. system for them. And then Slack came and Slack made a messaging system, which a lot of people could just go on and Slack became a multi-billion dollar company. So that's our approach, which is that <laughs> we make our thing. And then a lot of governments across India, across municipal level, state level, central level, who will work with us, will work with our products and data sets. And not just that, I, I mean, I hope like at government, at international level governments will work with us. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. And uh, so then again, coming to another aspect of it, which is open data, open data sources that are now coming up, especially with innovation and everything being the buzzword. Uh, there is a huge need of open data set. A lot of people are doing it. And where do you see yourself on those lines? What do you see happening on those lines? 
So we've definitely committed ourselves to making certain part of data sets or at certain resolution and certain volume open for anybody, especially for student developer and researcher community, uh, simply because uh, more the younger people and students and developers play with satellite data, more they will understand and get interested in it. And there is just so much applications that an innovation that can come out of it that I can't even imagine today. So yeah. to obviously enable that system. But uh, it's some, uh, just imagine like a tap. So from my data tap, if you want to take one glass of water, it's for free. But if you want to take one gallon, I'm going to charge you for that. So it's essentially like that. And if you want to take a gallon every hour, I will charge you a lot for that. Yeah. So, but one glass or two glasses is always for free. Uh, same thing if you look at resolution wise, at a higher resolution, let's say a city level or a district level or a state level, you make that data available for free or very subsidized cost, but higher the resolution goes, data becomes more expensive. And there it finds more applications with like, you know, private sector or with government. Uh, so we definitely would want to work much more in the open data uh, domain. Yeah. Um, let's see, like, I mean, this is like, as we build the data sets and as things go out in the public, I mean, with Breezo or with air quality data, you can see that quite a lot of it is public. And yeah. ironically, before like 2018, when we first put together that 2006 to 2018, time yeah. series nobody had put it together like there was no way like the reason why we put it together was simply because we wanted to see yeah. it was not even for anybody else it was like <laughs> i want to know how has air pollution changed in let's say this one location in ito where government started monitoring from 2006 to 2018 yeah. can i get that time series anywhere no so it's a very basic demand right and uh, i mean a lot of people do refer to uh, Brizo and we have pretty reasonably good traffic on the website. Uh, we haven't been working actively on it, but hopefully, you know, in future, some of these assets that we are producing will become like the go-to asset in India and globally for referring to environmental information. Okay. Uh, so you just mentioned that you want more and more students to work with satellite data. You want them to be more used to this kind of data uh, to make sure that they learn from it as well. And this is one thing I feel that your company also tries to encourage that it does not matter what you have studied or what you have done. If you work on it, if you want to work on it, you can do it. So how do you see that kind of uh, market evolving in future, especially with now everything going uh, online, but not offline. So the whole education sector is getting online. Uh, you, do you really feel that, okay, there is any more requirement of degrees or anything, or you just know coding come in, or you just know certain skill set come in and go forward with it? Um, okay, so I have seven years of education and three degrees yeah. and a couple of diplomas. So, uh, and my brother slash co-founder is uh, 12th past actually no degree college dropout. Um, and uh, I, I would say that there is obviously role of education uh, on certain topics, definitely. I, uh, but, you know, I don't have the best words to say about Indian education system. I would say my five years were pretty wasted. I didn't really learn anything. Uh, so uh, where we stand as a company is that we don't judge you for your educational background, for your degree, brand name, it really doesn't matter. You come as who you are and uh, you can be from an IIT or a Yale and not get a job with us and you can be from no college um, and get a job with us. Uh, but uh, I think like in future, uh, 
see one major thing that has happened since 99 and 2000s early 2000 that we failed to recognize is that information has become completely democratized so you can actually access whatever the hell in the world you want to know on the world wide web you do not need your teachers to actually explain it to you anymore that said there are some com- concepts which are pretty complex and you know i had i've got an amazing education at yale and i would just never undermine it and uh, yeah. i you know i would still go back like if you know there is no way that i'll be like oh i learn all of these things from the internet uh, often it also involves like a lot of interpersonal skills like uh, a lot of morality ethics and some of those like philosophical concepts that you really don't always get on the world wide web uh, so that's there so there's going to be a room for high quality education but when it comes to understanding a certain piece of information or something you know you just uh, it doesn't matter and i think in future education will really have to evolve itself it's very stuck in 1970s and uh, companies like us do not really value it like we've uh, interviewed a lot of candidates who spent quite significant amount of money in uh, diplomas in data analytics or something and one of the question we always have for them is that hey instead of spending that money and that time in that classroom had you done a free and open source project of your own for one and a half years or something one year yeah. uh, where do you think you would have reached and do you think you would have been much more employable for us because you would have figured out like see some of those quality uh, especially when you're working in a very innovative segment like we are doing yeah none of us knew how to analyze satellite data prior to like january of 2018 when we said we would analyze satellite data so it was quite who the hell are you we learned it all and a lot of our products were like are based on systems which were being developed as we were doing it yeah. so let's say time scale db we were the 22nd customer so time scale db itself was in a beta form and nowhere so we were reading some of those documentation by we i mean the tech team uh, was reading some of those documentation as they were developing the product or let's say notion we onboarded on notion in 2018 when mm-hmm. very few people in the world were using notion and notion had this place where you can chat and like you know request features can you please yeah. add this as a feature on notion so like the word count i had texted is like hey can you please add word count because <laughs> i need yeah. to know it and they're like oh cool definitely see so when you come in the very cutting edge innovation domain Yeah. nobody knows anything and you have to really understand that so all of your education and everything goes out for a toss yeah. and then it becomes like what can you learn how persistent are you to bang your head against some documentation how can you reach out to one obscure geospatial data scientist in like luxembourg to figure out yeah. something and to figure out something so it becomes a lot about like very fundamental capabilities of basic analysis basic mathematics quantitative skills persistence just you know it 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 takes you away from all of this you know universities and brand names and what you've studied in your classroom yeah. uh, to a completely different domain now if you want to let's say in your classroom they taught you how to do financial modeling excel 101 and you want to keep on doing exactly that for yeah. the rest of your life then your education is fine like i mean i studied you know uh clean energy finance like financial modeling of yeah. energy projects and i could have done that for 20 25 years i would have made great money by the way yeah. it pays a lot of amount but then you know everything that we are doing in blue sky we learn every single day we learn we fail <laughs> you know we fall flat on our face 
yeah. <laughs> everything happens but it's really a lot of fun yeah. once you get onto this side of uh, and this is something i feel if in future education system can do and i don't see a lot of edtech startups in india doing that which is making kids explorers uh, from a very early on then you yeah. will find like you know great things coming out of it like let people explore true true yeah. i i agree <laughs> with that i absolutely agree with that and i also believe in the same thing that you need to know how to know things that is one of the most important skills how to figure out like, how to search on google is the best skill you will develop and exactly. wasting time at 3 am on google is like the best thing you will do <laughs> absolutely absolutely so coming to the next topic is something on space tech like you are working with environmental data india is opening up space of space tech as well now how do you see that kind of system evolving in india uh, how do you see space technology coming into india maybe you entering that space somewhere down the line i don't know but how do you see that helping the whole ecosystem i mean there are about 10 12 great space tech startups in india and uh, pixel satsure um, us i mean there's quite a lot of like energy innovation in that ecosystem it's yeah. a small tiny but quite a great ecosystem our goal is obviously around data so um, recently we submitted a policy proposal uh, to isro and in rsc for uh, uh, given the opening of the opening up of the space sector and we obviously advocated very strongly for open data yeah. policy and for uh, more advancing so not just opening data but the way you are delivering data to people is also very important so right now if you go on isro's website or on bhuvan it's quite challenging to actually extract that information that those data sets and for them to make some of those api gateways would be life savior for people like us yeah. uh, so uh, that but yeah like we definitely look to um, engage much more with them something we realized we went attended a nrsc session right before the lockdown in february or in january and we were blown away by the kind of research a lot of scientists and remote science uh, sensing people in india have done yeah. uh, so we would definitely want to collaborate much more actively with them now one of the challenges of collaborating with the governmental or the traditional ecosystem that comes for young startups like us is the time and money cost True. so unless the time and money cost of that engagement is slightly subsidized it becomes really expensive because you know as a startup you want to exist <laughs> you don't want to run out of uh, capital uh, you want to reach your customers and reach your product market fit uh, yep. rather than always and you know there's a there's a time and mental space that you have to allocate for working with you know some of the larger ecosystem at large place so something which would be very great if the government and the the space policy system could come up with some basic financial packages for the startups it could be very small amount it could be half a million bucks or a million dollar pool um, uh, you know but what it would do uh, give uh, do is give us some capital for active engagement with them you yeah. know without worrying so let's say if i can hire three people who can actively engage with an rsc and i can pay those three people salary yeah not from the equity funding that i've raised but from this government grant then you know together we can make significantly more progress and this is what us and europe and a lot of countries do actually because they realize that there is a time value mind space cost uh, for a young startup which cannot always you know a big company like a google can definitely they're making billions of dollars in cash 
yeah. they have a big cash repository they can just put in 10 million dollars for this engagement yeah. uh doesn't even if it has a 5 7 10 year return cycle in our case that doesn't always happen so something along those lines by government would be pretty awesome yeah but and we I- really want to work with them just fii <laughs> <laughs> yeah absolutely because i was i was talking uh, once with my friend as well uh, who has a manufacturing tech startup and that was his same uh, intention as well that we are looking for some kind of grants in this ecosystem because manufacturing is a long process i believe this is also somewhere uh, not exactly similar but similar on lines of timeline that this requires uh, active engagement over years to make sure that such kind of data can be developed Uh, when everyone is still learning about the ecosystem i feel and that becomes quite important even, even some of the tender requirements for instance uh, for a startup like ours the tender requirements of european space agency are much more compatible and easy than okay. the tender requirements of isro or the indian government yeah. or any indian government agency so when they do something in the space of let's say they are doing some satellite data analysis for flood mapping in assam let's say Yeah. and they need a company which has 100 crore turnover yeah dude you're likely to get a company which has existed for 10 years and likely is operating on a archaic relatively old technology system or even if they're doing great work definitely that tender is not coming to somebody like us and is not enabling us younger you know kids to figuring out i mean who are often like figuring out better more efficient more optimized ways of doing things so it's definitely not coming to us sometimes i think relaxing those tender requirements would also be there uh, the other major thing is that indian governmental ecosystem and tender ecosystem is very locked in project it project system yeah right you have to move from that it project to product okay we have created infosys tcs and everything which are multi billion dollar companies but nowhere does their market cap compare remotely to a zoom or a slack or a you know google or anything like zoom or slack nowhere yeah. so you have because what happens with project is same thing you do it again and again and again again you don't appreciate replicability you know you just you are not creating something which is really replicable across multiple use cases and that's what if we do as a product company we are not able to serve the government clients or even the non profit clients because they are so locked in that project mindset like delhi government wants a project up government wants a project are sir my product is good for both of you <laughs> just buy this product product just swipe your credit card it's going to cost you 110th 120th in cases 100th of going to it company and getting this custom thing made for yourself it's yeah. going to cost you a fraction so there is a mindset problem as well there yeah i'm not sure but i think somewhere on those lines some of the missions in government are working on those lines that they are building up gem portal uh, i feel which might again improve this whole ecosystem that you don't have to go through the tendering process all the time and mm-hmm. i hope slowly and slowly that also improves so that it can work out best for everyone i feel startups mm-hmm. as well as government it's a quite needed requirement uh yeah. so uh, then coming to where do you see in indian scenario how will blue sky frame itself in next 10 to 20 years where do you see and what kind of products and services you guys would be in i know this is still uh, quite far off you guys are a young company but something on those lines would at least help us understand how does the future of environmental data look 
10 to 20 years is a long time. We have yeah. a five-year very clear roadmap for us. Uh, uh, no, we most likely will provide you uh, through APIs. That's going to be the method of delivery from us. So just like, you know, weather.com or uh, AccuWeather has an API and yeah. of Fortune 500 companies, I think half of them are the customers. Yeah, you have lots and lots of different people from Indian government, private sector individuals will just subscribe to our APIs for variety of use cases. It could be like to give some information on your Fitbit or on your air purifier or your insurance claim, whatever application it is. And uh, that's the simple blue sky business model. Uh, we give you data, you give us money. <laughs> and uh, we will work quite a lot. Uh, so we've decided that whatever visuals and everything that we're doing, so we're building something called space time, where yeah. we will be loading most of our data so that you can have a sense of what this data is about and it's like. Because if I give you an API, it's just a bunch of numbers, right? Yeah. You need to see what those numbers are. Um, and space time, we will really promote as an open sort of tool, uh, open libraries that, you know, uh, people across the country can use. And we also hope to, you know, uh, work quite uh, deeply in the publishing scientific papers. So we would want to publish a lot of scientific papers, which back the credibility of the data sets, which are visualized on an open software, open platform, not a software, just an open website. And the data sets are a moat and lots of people buy them. Uh, whether it's air, water, land, heat. And hopefully, you know, our main goal is to be able to accelerate a system of climate action. So that is the main goal. Hopefully, by looking at some of these higher resolution environmental data, people, individuals, even like the government officials, even the policymakers start to really question their own thesis about climate change, start to, you know, do different kinds of actions, policies, you know, uh, really make the climactic debate in India more data-driven rather than sentiment-driven. Uh, also, you know, sometimes I think many parties are right. Let's say whether it's the activist side or it's the coal lobby or the government, everybody thinks that they're right. Numbers are numbers. One plus one will always be two. So we want all of you to come to numbers, have a look at them, and then be like, yeah. okay, this is the way forward. And, you know, I feel the next 15, 20 years for our country and for the planet are very crucial. Essentially, we should have, be having a very different conversation right now because <laughs> of how bad climate change really is. And where I stand from, my probability of living to 50 is not very high. That's my understanding of climate data. And since I look at it all the day and evening, I feel I'm kind of relatively correct. Uh, so I find it very surprising when people are not scared and anxious. I'm like, wow, you think you're going to live forever? <laughs> surprising because I don't think you know I don't think there's going to be water for me to live or I don't think that you know 10 years from today I feel the temperature extremes will be really really extreme like 54 55 56 will not be unheard of and we the world will not be as we know it today so I hope we can play some role of saving us I'm not absolutely optimist I'm trying my best but I just hope fingers crossed. <laughs> I know what you are saying. I have been through that phase as well. I am now trying to mend my ways into this whole system to make sure that, you know, at least something can be done on those lines to make sure good climate actions are taken into account and we can hopefully take it forward. Uh, that is the yeah, idea. Of 1.3 <laughs> 1. billion people in the country, 
yeah if we can save few million more that's that's good enough i would say i mean yeah. uh there are 7 billion people on the planet and we are heading for a 4 degree celsius of warming already mm-hmm. had about 1.1 degree celsius of warming all sure. the reefs are going to be lost so uh you know a lot of people are like i'm doing my part for the environment which is kind of nothing so uh you know hopefully we can show you through numbers and data like what really yeah. needs to be done and hopefully bring everybody together uh so one of the last questions that i generally have is that what kind of skill sets do you think would be required in coming into the environmental data space uh what all things would be required as an employer employee whoever uh, anyone wants to be to make sure that they can have future in this field just the will just will i mean uh, let's say you're a marketing person you're a really good marketing person and you work for pepsi cola yeah you are factually a environmental criminal enabling an organization to put a lot of plastic in the oceans and marina trench and in the bloods and tissues of people that's what you do you can tell yourself whatever your job is but that's what your job is that's how you're feeding your children um let's say you work for facebook and you're a great developer you know let me not entail but you are using your skill towards destroying a very noble system across the planet across the world right that's what you're doing so whatever your skill you have you can direct it into something else you can be a marketing person for a uh, you know there's a great brand called coco cuisto which has made a washing detergent which is um, biodegradable coral friendly environmental friendly um, run by this amazing girl you can work with her you can leave your job at pepsico paying you 20 lakhs because most likely you do not need those 20 lakhs for living most likely shan lalwani she'll give you like 6 7 lakhs for sure you can work for her right yeah. similarly if you are a developer in facebook uh destroying democracy as we know it you can leave your 150000 200000 job from the valley move to gurgaon work with me you know i i don't pay bad i pay pretty well <laughs> you know so it's not about the skill it's actually just about the will what is your will for what do you want to work for and almost everybody who's working in a sort of you know polluting job or planet destroying job today whether it's nestle coca cola pepsi unilever coal india limited ntpc i can keep on naming some i mean when i was 22 years old i got a very hefty job package in an oil company and it was paying me almost 20 lakhs plus and i was yeah. only 21 years old okay i don't know like i'm not saying that i did a noble thing but somehow in the back of my head at a very early age i was 21 years old i was like no i don't want to do this and i took a job paying 6 lakhs per annum i used to get 47000 rupees at jameel poverty action lab yeah right i literally had the best 10 years of my career after undergraduate yeah. making one third the money as most of my contemporaries most of my classmates with the same levels of grades same level of you know performance or resume yeah. were making three times the money as me at the age of 23 Yeah. uh they did not go to yale on a full scholarship <laughs> you know so the karma comes back <laughs> i did not make money but i literally used to get money to study in the best university from the best professors in one of the best ecosystems ever yeah. uh you can take your you can keep your money from slumberger 
depend. <laughs> so it's on a lot of these individuals to decide what their careers is about, what their lives is about. Is yeah. their life about enabling a plastic industry or the big oil? And I'm, I'm not saying that they're evil or something, but something we have to realize is it's inertia. Uh, everybody wants a secure job. Yeah. Only an established company will offer you a secure job. Most of the startups are people who don't know what the hell they're doing. <laughs> we are as clueless as you are. So it's very trusting, you know, big leap. If you choose to work, leave this and if you choose to work here, you will create a change. But because of security or settling or whatever, you are choosing to lock your career and by design the entire planet in this old inertial system. I mean, yeah. Pepsi Cola is an innovation from 1970s. Twenty twenty, we are still like you're marketing Pepsi still in twenty twenty. Go market something new for God's sake, <laughs> right? So it's all about the will of the people, and uh, I think the second part is consciousness. Very few people, uh, everybody likes to call themselves environmentalist and blah 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 blah, all the good adjectives. But when they look, if you were to look at your own personal life, your own lifestyle, your own job, what you do for a living, how you make money, you'll find you have blood on your own hands. So Guys, <laughs> be critical of your own selves before you're being critical of like big corporations because you are big corporations. Yeah. And uh, any, any last comments do you have uh, on if we have missed out on something or you would like to cover it? I feel climate action is like the next big thing. Blue Sky is going to be a billion dollar company and there's going to be tons and tons of... Because fundamentally, if we were to exist if you were not to go extinct, by 2035, all the businesses that are present today will look very different. All the services, whether it's mobility, whether it's delivery, whether it's data, whatever it is that you do on a day-to-day -day basis you interact with is going to look fundamentally quite different if yeah. we were to survive, right? Now, somebody has to take us from 2020 to 2035. So yeah. there's a lot of entrepreneurs that are needed Lot of engineers, lot of developers, marketeers, you know, communication people, growth hackers, every job that you can think of who have to make this transition happen. Yeah. And it's not going to be a super smooth transition. If 100 people try, 95 will fail, 5 will succeed, and tomorrow, you know, we'll have systems which will be very different. And this happens all the time, you know, this is a process of creative destruction uh, that great economists have talked about. And uh, over the last, you know, 20 years, brands have gone away, new brands have come. Businesses yeah. have disappeared and have gone bankrupt and new businesses have emerged. So today, when the market cap of Apple, Google, Amazon is at all time high, uh, something to think about. And there is a great talk about this topic by Aswad Damodaran, who's a great economics professor at, NY, uh, at Stern. You can refer to that. You know, companies run their lifetime. And then they effectively like either, you know, just like what happened to a GE, they go from all time high stock value to $11, I don't know what it is today. Uh, and that's the time when new companies emerge because there's a new way of life. There's a new technological shift happening, new like consumer demand or consumer preference is shifting. Yeah. So 2020 is that time for where consumer preferences are shifting and people want climate action. Now you've got to figure out how to deliver it to them. So do it. Come join Blue Sky Analytics. <laughs>
thank you thank you avilasha it was surely a very insightful conversation about environmental data and a lot many more other things i'm sure our audience would have enjoyed understanding the future and what environment holds for them in the future mm-hmm. thank you awesome thanks so much for me thanks for like asking some really good questions actually You have been listening to Understanding the Future podcast. To know more about Climate Center for Cities, visit us at www.c-q.niua.org and follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter and Instagram. The show is conceptualized, hosted and produced by Punit Gandhi. You can listen to the show on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast and Spotify. So don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and share it with your friends and colleagues. Thank you and stay tuned for the next episode.